All right, so we are in our third lesson of this series, Four Simple Things Anyone Can Do That Have a Huge Impact. Uh, I'm doing the next two because we're giving Patrick more time to actually work on the next series that's following that. Uh, and, you know, when he, he and Patrick, or when Patrick and Presley were up here earlier, I love the innocence of Presley. It's, it's, uh, it's not saying anything bad about Patrick. I'm not saying anything bad about Patrick. But one of the things that Presley said to me, to both of us this week, he was like, I don't believe it. When is it going to get cold here? I don't believe it's going to, you know. And... He, yeah, he, he's not in here, so I, you know, we just told him it will, all right? So, but he's, he hasn't experienced that yet, so he's still innocent in those things. But he gave a great lesson two weeks ago on inviting, giving an invitation to someone. Patrick gave a great lesson last week. I listened to it online. I was not here. I listened to it online on the website on, on asking, on getting to know someone, on paying attention to them and getting to know them, asking about them. And today we're going to be talking about serving. Now one of the things I want to remind us is that you don't have to invite and then ask and then serve. There's no sequential order in these four things, these four simple things that anyone can do that make a huge impact. You can start by serving if you choose, if you have the opportunity. Uh, I, I do a Bible study uh, semi-regularly. We try to do it every week. We haven't been able to with my son Luke in Nashville. And we use Right Now Media. Which is, this is, if you get on Right Now Media, if you, we've got a lot of new people here, and we started this uh, a year and a half plus ago. Uh, the church pays for this. It's free to anyone of you who wants to use it or one of your friends. And it's a video Bible study. So it's like, it's kind of like Christian Netflix. So this is just a plug for Right Now Media right now because we haven't talked about it in a while. If you do not have access to this, all you have to do is give me your email. I send it out uh, into an email address. You get an email from Right Now Media that allows you to set up your own password, your own login information, and then you can log on anytime you want, any, anywhere you have. It can be on your phone. As long as you have uh, access to the Internet, you can do these video Bible studies. And it's set up like this. So you see the first line there uh, about the, new, the, the Bible studies that are, you know, original with Right Now Media. But they have Bible studies... Uh, about men's Bible studies, Bible studies for women, Bible studies for youth. They have a lot of kids shows. It, they have top studies of the month. They have Bible studies about marriage. They have Bible studies about parenting. They have Bible studies about mental health and recovery. Uh, they have a bunch of Bible project videos on there. Uh, it's, some of them are, you know, five, ten minutes long. Some of them are 30 minutes long. You have all kinds of access to this. So that's just a plug. If you do not, if you've forgotten, if you don't have access, come see me. If you've forgotten your long information, uh, I'll try to help you with that. I don't know that I can. But we can, if you haven't had access to this yet, you just give me your email address. I plug it in, and you'll get an email invitation. Please take advantage of this resource. Yeah, some of our classes and our Bible classes use it, and sometimes Presley uses it for the youth. But one of the things we want as leadership for you to do is to do this on your own as an individual throughout the week. Take advantage of this. Or, like I'm doing with my son Luke, anytime you want, you can do it. It's set up like that where you have the opportunity to not do it uh, even when you're in different locations, kind of like Zoom, and there's a, there's a way to do that as well. So Luke and I have been doing this Bible study by Kyle Adamon. It's called One at a Time. And on one of the 
uh, I can't remember which lesson it was, but it shows a picture of Kyle Eidelman. He's from Louisville, Kentucky. He's up in a high rise. So here's a view. It, this isn't him, but it's, it's similar to that. And he's up and he's looking down and he's talking about that everybody wants to, um, you know, everybody up here looks down and it looks nice and it looks peaceful. And every, from up here, it seems peaceful and it seems nice and it seems beautiful. Uh, and then you can, you know, if you shop, if you go down a little bit, then you say, okay, now it looks a little bit busier. Maybe there's a little more traffic. Your perspective changes a little bit. And then the next slide as well. Really, you, if you get really down there, you realize that there are a lot of people with a lot of needs. There's a lot of business, a lot of traffic. And then you start smelling the smells of the street. And so from up there at the top of the high rise, people want to make a difference and they see it and they want to make a difference from up there. And sometimes you can't really make a difference until you're down here. Uh, and so serving, that's one of the things we're going to talk about. We'll come back to this illustration later. But people spend most of their time thinking about how I can make a difference in the world. But many times they're thinking about how I can make a difference from up here. And it doesn't really work unless you connect to people down here. Jesus is portrayed as a servant on multiple occasions. Isaiah 53, you know, he's portrayed as a servant. Uh, Acts 3, Acts 3, verse 13, verse 26. Philippians 2, another great passage where Jesus is portrayed specifically as a servant and called that specifically. Matthew 20, 28 says this, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus illustrated this at the Last Supper. So he's at the Last Supper. He's, he's about to be handed over, arrested, crucified. He's with his disciples. They're having this meal together. And if you read John's account, what John says in John 13, it's at this Last Supper that Jesus gives maybe the greatest example of being a servant when he washes the disciples' feet. And yes, according to their culture and all of that, that was meant for the lowest person to do. And Jesus, their leader, their teacher, their rabbi, is doing that for them. Jesus illustrates this perfectly by washing their feet, and he does this throughout his whole life. Philippians chapter 2, 3 through 5 says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So Jesus gives us this perfect example of serving and being a servant. Paul explains how he's taken on this same attitude of service in his letter. So we'll look at Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 that says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's hard for me to read that verse without the song if some of you know the song that goes with that. But Paul has taken on this attitude that Jesus portrays, this attitude, this life of a servant. And now Paul is saying, I no longer live. I'm living for others. I'm living for Christ. I am serving him and I am serving others because of what Jesus has done for me. Paul, Peter, James, Jude, John, and all their writings in the New Testament, they all refer to themselves as servants of Christ. So we have this example of Jesus. We have this example of the apostles. And yet Paul pleads with the followers of Jesus in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Uh, Paul pleads with all of us as followers to have this attitude. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, 
holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now, the Greek word for worship there, latreia, okay, it doesn't, doesn't matter. But it, if the King James Version, the American Standard Version, the New American Standard Version, they don't say worship, they say spiritual service. And so this Greek word, it, it kind of had to do with offering sacrifices at the temple. So that part of service, that part of worship, but it also had this uh, connotation of living your whole life in service to God. Uh, and that's what's meant here. So in Luke chapter 1, 74 through 75, Simeon, who's at the temple, who does these things, he has just witnessed the birth of Jesus, and he says this, thanking God, and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Same Greek word, latreia. And so this idea of service, this idea of service, specifically in worship and in the temple or here, but also our life, in all of our days. And you know, sometimes we carry on that debate, what is worship? Is it just being here on Sunday morning? No. Your whole life is worship to God. And that's what, that's what Paul is, is saying in Romans 12. That's what Paul, uh, or that's what Luke is saying here in Luke chapter 1 with Simeon. Uh, if you continue to read in Romans 12 and further uh, go down the chapter in verse 7, it lists service as one of the spiritual gifts. Romans 12 has this list of spiritual gifts, and service is one of the spiritual gifts listed in Romans 12. Now, I think that's uh, maybe problematic in that sometimes we interpret that as, oh, well, I don't have the spiritual gift of service. You know, yeah, Travis has a spiritual gift of service, or so-and-so has a spiritual gift. I don't have a spiritual gift of service, so I don't have to do it. No, everyone is called to serve. Doesn't mean that you have the spiritual gift, maybe, but everyone, Jesus is our example. Paul says every follower of Jesus is called to serve and to serve God. That is part of our spiritual act of worship. What's the hardest part of serving? It's not, you know, sometimes you say it's the work. Well, maybe you're doing a service project that's hard. Maybe you're doing something that's really easy. Uh, so it's not the work itself that's hard or easier that makes it hard. Uh, sometimes you think, oh, what can I do? Yeah. You, you know, you're thinking, I can't be creative. You know, thinking of something to do is not the hardest part of service. There's an infinite number, almost infinite number of possibilities that we can do to serve one another, to serve each other, or to serve our neighbors. Infinite possibilities. So I can't, I can't tell you what those are. I can't think of them all. We have an infinite uh, number. So that's not the hardest part. The hardest part of, of service is having that attitude of service where we see the opportunities, where we take advantage of those, where, where we have, you know, where it's, it's a blessing to us to do that to other people. The attitude of service, I think, is the hardest part. It's a little bit easier to think of serving friends, uh, people you have a relationship with, fellow Christians, People who are mostly good, uh, maybe, but uh, we're not just called to serve people who are worthy. Amen. Like Jesus, we are called to serve everyone. Uh, and, and that means even those who are unworthy. And many times that's a hard part. Well, I'm not going to serve them. I, what, what have they ever done to deserve? No, see, that's not the point. What did we ever do for Jesus to come 
and serve us the way he did. So that's not it. It's, it's not that we're called to serve those who are worthy. We're called to serve everyone regardless. True peace is found in surrendering to the only one, capital O, who is worthy. And that realization changes our way of life, changes our attitude, changes our way of life. Jesus states this counterintuitive part of being a disciple in Mark 10. We read from Matthew 20. Now we're going to read Mark 10, 43 through 45, where he says, not so with you. So this is, this is the part where the disciples are arguing about who's the greatest. And Jesus says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Have you ever, uh, this, is a, this is a book and an illustration and experiment that started like 20 years ago, and then I saw some videos that they redid about 10 years ago. So most of you probably, read, I read about it in a book at first. It's called the uh, Invisible Gorilla Experiment. Any of you heard of this? So, no, no not, not as many as I, some of you have. All right, so Invisible Gorilla Experiment. I've also heard it called Monkey Business something so th that was the newer video that's actually a little bit better so here's the thing they this guy comes up with this experiment and there's six people like on a stage like this and they're walking around three of them have white shirts three of them have black shirts and they've got two basketballs and they're walking around and they're roaming around and the experiment is you watch the video and you count the number of times that the people in white shirts pass the basketball and so I had heard about this and and I, I thought, well, you know, and, and so what happens is during the middle of this video, a gorilla or a person in a gorilla suit walks on stage, faces the camera, beats his chest, turns and walks off stage. The video is about a minute and a half. The gorilla is on screen for nine seconds, walks right to the middle, beats his chest, turns and walks off. They showed this experiment to people at Harvard. Half of the people at Harvard did not see the gorilla. I knew about it. I read about it. And then I went to YouTube and I watched the video, the second one, the monkey business solution one. And I thought, that can't be. How can you miss a gorilla? Because I read that, you know, he's walking on stage, he walks to the middle, he turns, faces the camera, beats his chest, and then walks off stage. He's on for nine seconds. How do you miss that? I didn't believe it. But I thought, okay, to be fair, I'm going to try it. I'm going to watch the video. And even though I know what's going to happen, I'm going to focus on counting how many times the people in white shirts pass the basketball. And so I do that. And I got to the end of the video and I missed the gorilla. I didn't see it. Knowing it was going to happen, I am focused on the people in white shirts. And they're walking around and, they, you know, they pass or they walk without it and then they pass. And if you focus on those people in white shirts and you're counting how many times they pass the basketball, you may miss this gorilla that walks right through there beats his chest and walks right so what are we to learn from that what we learn is when we're focused on something a lot of times we miss something else and how that applies to our service is that many times I'm focused on myself and when I'm focused on myself I don't see other people I totally miss them and and when I'm chasing after my own desires then I don't see the opportunities that are before me where I can serve someone else.
We need the attitude that says, I will stop chasing after my desires, and I'll start looking to serve others. That's what Jesus did. Galatians chapter 5, 13 says this, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Don't serve yourself. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. If we do not have this attitude of a servant that Jesus portrayed for us, then we're going to miss our opportunities. Take John 4 as an example. John 4 is the story of the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. Uh, most of you know that story. Jesus, they're traveling. He's traveling with his disciples. They're traveling through the country. They're headed down to Jerusalem. They need to go through Samaria. They could go around, but the straightest shot is through Samaria, so they go. Jesus sits down at the well. He talks to his disciples. They haven't eaten, so he sends the disciples into town to get food. The woman, the Samaritan woman, comes to the well to draw water, middle of the day, all of that stuff. Jesus talks with her. Uh, she comes to believe that he is who he says he is, that can give living water. And then she goes back to the town to tell everyone about this person she met. The disciples come back, and they are confused as to why Jesus would be talking with this Samaritan woman, because that's just not on their radar. It's not something they would do. And in verse 34 and 35, Jesus says this, My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me, and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until the harvest. So, so right here in verse 34, uh, in the beginning of 35, he says, don't you have a saying four months until the harvest? The saying, the proverb that they used quite oftenly, just like we use, have sayings, it just meant, hey, this is a time after planting wheat, usually wheat or something else, and there's nothing to do for like the next four to six months besides wait until harvest. So, it's that time of waiting around, of doing nothing. And, and Jesus is calling that to their attention. And I think he's saying two things. I think, number one, he's saying, don't wait. Stop waiting around. There's four months until the harvest, but don't, because I don't want you to miss an opportunity. Uh, illustration uh, that I read, during the first three days of July, 1863, during the Civil War, Armies of the North and the South had clashed decisively at Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. For the first three days, the battle and the fighting was inconclusive, but then the tide began to turn against General Lee and the Confederate forces. The Northern troops under General Meade were winning. Lee began to retreat, and on the night of July 4th, uh, it's been storming. It's been raining for these three days. He's headed down the East Coast. He gets to the Potomac River, and the water is so swollen from all the torrential rains that he can't cross. He's trapped, and this is General Meade's opportunity to attack. In fact, President Lincoln had ordered him to go after General Lee and attack. General Meade uh, delays. General Meade has a council meeting, and then after the council meeting, he delays again because he's trying to think, should I, shouldn't I, you know, what? Well, in, those, in that time of delay, the river subsides and General Lee is able to escape and cross the Potomac and go on. If he had attacked at that point, would have won, and the war, the Civil War, would have been over in half the time, two years, because it was two years after this that, that the war was over later. So the lesson, I think, is that sometimes we have a service opportunity. We have an opportunity before us, and we delay 
and we debate. And we wonder, should I, shouldn't I? How's this going to be perceived? You know, am I, am I doing the right? And then we miss the opportunity. And sometimes you don't get those opportunities back. It's, and it's really, um, it, it's just really, it's really discouraging uh, when, you, when you consider I've had these opportunities to make a difference, to make a huge impact. And because I delayed or because I debated or because I didn't see it, I, I missed those opportunities. The other thing he says in this verse, the rest of the verse, uh, John 4, verse 35, he says, uh, my food said, Jesus, you know, is it still four months until the harvest? And then he says, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. What's he saying? Um, I think, it's my opinion, I think he's talking with his disciples and he's talking to them about this opportunity for harvest. Four months, don't you say four months on harvest? Stop waiting, you know. And then I think at that time, don't miss an opportunity. And then I think at that time, the woman had gone to the village and maybe the people were on their way back. And Jesus, as he's talking with the disciples, look up and he see the people that the woman has gathered and they're on their way back. And he sees all these people coming to hear Jesus. And Jesus is telling his disciples, look at the fields. There's a harvest there. The people are the harvest. But the problem was the disciples in their mind would not have considered the Samaritans an option. They've got racial divisions. They've got political divisions. They've got religious divisions. All three of those things are wrapped up in the Samaritans and Jews. And Jesus' disciples are like, they missed that opportunity because they wouldn't even open their mind to it. They wouldn't open their eyes. And Jesus is telling them, no, open your eyes. Look at the fields. Don't miss an opportunity. Consider every option and every purpose, uh, every person. Uh, I've got a short little video I want you to watch that kind of illustrates a little bit of this. And, and so this is a few seconds long. Show, show this video, if you would, please. Hi. Hi, Piper. How are you? Hi, can you see? Can you see? Yeah. Hi, Piper. Hi. Hi, Can you see? I think she can. <laughs> Piper is about eight months old. Uh, she knows her parents' voice. She thought she saw her parents clearly. And this moment is the first moment that she actually saw clearly and saw them clearly. And if, if you kind of, you'll have to watch it again, but at the, at the beginning, you know, she's just kind of, and then when the glasses go on, it's a whole new world. And now she really sees clearly. And I think for us to have this attitude of a servant, we think we know things that are going on and we think we're following Jesus and we think we're in tune with stuff like Piper thought she was in tune with her parents. And until we really take all the blinders off 
and don't miss any opportunity and, and we consider every option and every person and we realize that the people are the harvest, that's when our eyes really open up. And then all of a sudden, our heart opens up. Jesus was saying, do not consider any social divisions. Humans create social divisions. Humans create racial divisions, religious divisions, fiscal divisions, political divisions. It happened with the Jews and the Samaritans, and it happens with us today. Jesus didn't care about any of those things because everyone is a child of God. Open your eyes, he said to his disciples. Open your eyes. The fields are white with harvest. Why? Because you have not considered these Samaritan people. Look at opportunities to serve. Consider every option. Consider every person a part of that harvest. And then just do whatever you can do. The people are in our neighborhoods. They're in our schools. They're in our workplaces. We have all kinds of opportunities to serve. If we will open our eyes and see clearly maybe for the first time. To serve... uh, we must connect with others. Uh, to connect, we must be present down here. It's too hard to do it from up here, like at the beginning when we're looking down and everything looks peaceful and everything. Yeah, this is how I want to do it, and this is how I want to create change, and this is how I want to serve. No, we got to get our hands dirty. we got to get down there. My question for us, for myself, for you, where is the down there that you have been missing? Where is the down here that you have been avoiding? Maybe you've thought of some opportunity to serve someone in some way, and you haven't done it yet. You haven't taken advantage of that opportunity. We have religious barriers, we have racial barriers, and and we definitely have political differences. Put all of that out of your mind. Jesus didn't think about it at all. Didn't give it a second thought because the people were the harvest and that was his focus. Jesus said, go to the hungry, the sick, the lame, and the blind. Jesus Christ came down here. Philippians 2, the rest of that 5 through 7 says, In your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God, Something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Jesus broke the biggest barrier for you and me. Why wouldn't we make simple efforts that can make huge impacts? Four simple things that can have huge impacts. So, application, the change. So, this is the application for our lives. I try to do this every time. It's hard. And what what we mean by that, it's not just a teaching tool. It's how are we going to leave here and make a change, transform ourselves to be like Jesus, the first thing. The mission of Jesus has become our mission. Jesus said, I have come to finish what my God started. And then Paul said, We as Christians are to finish what Jesus started. The mission of Jesus is our mission. Be like Jesus. Second thing, stop waiting. Don't miss an opportunity. 
Don't give it a second thought. Just do it. The third thing, consider all options. Open your eyes. Once you stop making limitations with, ah, that people, I don't, they deserve it. They're not open. Uh, I don't want to. That, that's too hard. Once we forget about all of that and, and open our eyes to the possibilities and consider all options, then we won't miss those opportunities. I'm going to, I'm going to invite the praise team back up. Um, what This attitude is the hardest part. So service, a, a, invite, ask, serve. Uh, sometimes we think of, you know, asking is the hardest part or inviting someone. We're going out. Sometimes, see, you can do service behind the scenes. If you're a little shy, well, then just serve someone quietly and then see what happens. Uh, we have those opportunities to do that. Again, the hardest thing, though, is to stop chasing our desires so that we see the opportunities we have to serve others. Take every opportunity and make every opportunity to serve others so that we can make a difference one person at a time.